Episode 140, Fractured Skulls, Terminator Travis alongside Monoxide, May 11th, 2023, if you can believe it. How are you doing, my good man? I want to go back to Florida real bad. Me too. <laughs> I want to go back in October. I want to go really back do. in October. You want to go back? Halloween season. Yes. We were there last time. We weren't well prepared for Halloween Horror Nights because they charged like a buck and a half. But I want to at least do one night. I want to want to experience it. I have to do it at least once just to put it off my bucket list. That'd be fun. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. Go to one of the horror haunted houses that they have there based on a franchise. I know one year they did uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. I'd hope they bring that back just so I can go through that. That'd be cool to do. Yeah, it changes every year, though. Mm, new gimmick, new franchise every year. Uh, pretty much. Not just one. Like, they'll, they'll have multiple. But I know uh, House of Thousand Corpses was for 2019. And I still love Rob Zombie's story about how, like, when he made the movie, Universal took one look at it and was like, no, nah, we ain't fucking sponsoring this shit. And then 20 years later, they put it in their theme park. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. We got some news stories, we got some stuff to talk about before we get to our film discussion. We're gonna get right to it. Let's check, check it, it out! Alright, first things first, Video Game Hall of Fame. The finalists are in. It, I mean, we basically went over all these games already. Uh, I'll just read them off real quick. Age of Empires, Barbie Fashion Designer, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, Computer Space, The Last of Us, Quake, and Wizardry. Yeah, a and I think we went on seven games. I think we went on like this huge back and forth about the Barbie game and why it was even in discussion. Yeah, and the one game that was almost going to be a finalist but uh, did not make the cut was Wii Sports, and of course the ones that didn't make it was Wii Sports, NBA 2K, GoldenEye, FIFA International Soccer, and Angry Birds. Hold up. So those games didn't make it, but Barbie is still in the running. Barbie's officially in now. May 4th, they announced the finalists. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm going to put Angry Birds and Wii Sports and GoldenEye way before I would have put in that fucking Barbie game that we didn't even hear about. I almost guarantee that it didn't get worldwide reach. You think people in fucking Saudi Arabia are playing Barbie games? Well, then again, they're probably not playing any games, but... I was going to sound like a good example. <laughs> That's true. But, I don't know. Barbie? This game? Barbie like, alright. There's, there's one game in particular. I forgot the name of it. It was a game that came in Czech serial. It was literally like a first-person shooter of Czechs. But it was surprisingly really good for a first-person shooter that it became a cult hit. And they actually made sequels. Now, that game I could see making it because of the fact that it was way better than most people would have ever expected for a game that came for free in a cereal box. Who knows? I, I'm still just, like, wrapping my head around that. Like, Barbie. Barbie, uh, baby. Yeah. And and what's the game type? It's, like, it's dress-up or, like... Yeah, it's like a dress-up game. It was made for um, computer ROMs in, in the mid-90s. All right, I, I we got to promote here. Yeah, we got female empowerment. 
But hold on. If you want female empowerment, there's plenty of franchises in the video game world that you can go to for that. Um, Tomb Raider, uh, Metroid, freaking Tekken has some female characters that are main protagonists or antagonists, if you will. Yeah, but I I I, re- I think this was I I I have talked to some people on Twitter. They said yeah, this game was pretty influential. It was a good game. I was like okay, because I've never played it, so I can't I can't judge. I need to hear their arguments because this game getting in before GoldenEye, and I'm not even a GoldenEye fan. I've tried playing GoldenEye. It's in today's world, I think it's outdated because I think the formula of first-person shooter has evolved since then, but. GoldenEye does definitely deserves that spot because of how much it influenced. I need to hear these people's reasoning as to why this game belongs there. It's, it just doesn't make sense that it got in before that or Wii Sports and Angry Birds. Well, there's always next year. Yeah, totally. It, it's, it's almost as bad as like the WWE Hall of Fame when Bruno San Martino, the longest reigning and first real big baby face of the promotion didn't get inducted until 2013 and their hall of fame started in 1993 yeah the likes of fucking uh a limo driver pete rose uh i think drew carey got in before him oh yeah so many other names got in before him yeah yeah it's crazy same thing with the macho man he didn't get inducted until 2015 yeah well, uh, hold up. That's that's a bad example because Randy was very, very stern that if he was going to get inducted, his brother and his father had to get inducted as well. So that could be the case. And and with Bruno, he was anti WWE since like the late eighties, early nineties. So yeah, he never really respected Vince Jr. because he always respected his father. He didn't work for him. He just didn't like how the business was being run at that point. Yeah, he didn't like the direction wrestling was going at the time. He didn't like the attitude era. He didn't like none of that. Steroids. Very, he was very old school. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Video Game Hall of Fame. We'll move on to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ooh, okay. The finalists are in, and I will read the list as I have it here. George Michael. Okay. Kate Bush. Willie Nelson. The Spinners. Missy Elliott, Cheryl Crow, and Rage Against the Machine. Huh. Okay. Rage is a funny one because, yeah, they use a lot of, like, metal-ish uh, instruments. They're, like, they're almost like rap metal in a sense. It's rap metal, so... <sighs> Them being the Rock Hall of Fame, it, it, it's not something I'm opposed to. It's weird because their music is so, like, in the middle that you can either put them in a rap or rock hall of fame or metal hall of fame. So it's it's really a toss-up with them. Uh, Willie Nelson and Sheryl Crow. I think this goes back to the, um, what's her name, Dolly Parton argument country, where she... Yeah, the country music, yeah. Yeah, more country artists. So it's, I don't know, like a rock and roll hall of fame. Eh. But the one that just stuck out like a sore fucking thumb was Missy Elliott. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Missy Elliott? You know what? Uh, I'm going to take a line from Afro Man when he made a song, Quack Rappers. He said it beautifully. Missy Elliott makes a bunch of bullshit. Missy Elliott 
makes a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I know. Um, earlier we had some other nominees that didn't make the final cut, including Soundgarden, Warren Zevon, White Stripes, uh, New Order, Joy Division, Iron Maiden, Cindy Lauper. So, New Order is a weird one because they just basically were the follow-up to Joy Division when uh, Ian Curtis killed himself. Mm-hmm. They basically picked up, put them together. New Order is virtually like um, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters was made after Nirvana had to disband because the lead singer killed himself. And yeah. so David Grohl, the drummer, made Foo Fighters. So, yeah, New Order is in existence because Ian Curtis of Joy Division killed himself and they made that band. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't make it. And oh, there was another band you said in that list that really... Sh- oh, Soundgarden. Yeah. Uh, oh, White Stripes. I mean, literally, White Stripes created a song that is being chanted at in soccer stadiums. Yeah, just that beat alone, yeah. Yeah, it's... The uh, Seven Nation Army is like one of the most influential songs in modern history. And, and the fact that the White Stripes was based on two players, Meg and Jack White, and they were very limited with their resources... That to me deserves a Hall of Fame, and the fact and and the other thing is they didn't overstay their welcome. They basically ended the band on good terms, knowing that they've done everything they could do, and then just pretty much ended it. Although I will say they shouldn't stop at least retouring at some point because they haven't toured in like ten years. Because now Jack White's doing other shit, I guess with Racketeers or something. Mm-hmm. But that that surprised me. They they got pushed to the sideline for Missy Elliott. Yeah, uh, Tribe Called Quest was also uh, in the nominees for this year, and they didn't make the cut. Another one that I wouldn't put it, that the Rap Hall of Fame, hell yeah. Tribe Called Quest, yeah, a first ballot, in my opinion. But rock? Like, th- they gotta get their priorities straight on what defines rock music and rap music. Because, again, you get a Rap Hall of Fame, you're gonna put Paul McCartney in there? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Not that I could recall. Eh, I mean, uh, will, will Lionel Richie get in there? <laughs> Maybe Otis Redding, Marvin Gaye. No, no. They, they, they uh, R and B Hall of Fame. Yeah, you put freaking uh, Marvin Gaye and Otis Redding in there, but. But even like, for, even for like pop music, like George Michael. George Michael's pop. He's not rock and roll. Uh, I consider him same with Kate Bush. I mean, I think they're more pop artists than. Even even because Cindy Lauper was a nom- was one of the finalists too. She didn't make it. She's also pop. She's not rock and roll. It's called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's it's hmm. not it's not called the Music Hall of Fame. It's called that. Then oh fuck yeah, all the doors are open. Yeah, and anyone can get in. But and even if it was called the Pop Hall of Fame, pop could mean a whole variety of things when it comes to music. Pop usually could vary on artists that try to just make catchy music in a certain genre. Like uh, an example would be Nirvana's Nevermind. That's more on the pop side because of the fact that it's got catchy tunes. Uh, Weezer has been a victim of this for years because their first album was popish because it tried to be catchy. Then when they did Pinkerton. It tried to be more rock and, and, and deep thought, and then they got criticized. They got criticized for the Blue Album, for the pop. Then they got criticized on Pinkerton because, oh, it wasn't poppy enough. It was just too 
uh, serious. Then when they made the Green album, they went back to the roots of doing pop, and they got criticized again. So it was like they couldn't win, no yeah, matter like, what. Can't win, yeah. <laughs> it's like a double-edged sword. At that rate, Weezer should just do their own thing, do what sells records. So the point is, uh, if they called it the Pop Hall of Fame, I'd even let that go. But like you said, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Guys like Elvis Presley, uh, the Beatles. Um, now, when you say rock and roll, can that also delve into like metal music, like Metallica or Motley Crue? Yeah, like that. I don't. I don't know where people would draw a line with rock and roll. Like, do you include hard rock? Like, like all the bands you just mentioned, Led Zeppelin, um, metal, heavy metal, rap metal. Yes. You know? There's so many like sub genres of rock and roll. Yeah, so if that were the case, I would just put all versions of rock in there just to save yourself the trouble. Because now you've got too many different Hall of Fames in there. But there should be a Rock Hall of Fame, a Rap Hall of Fame. Where you got country, country. I think, and they have a Country Hall of Fame. Yeah. But now, where would you put R&B artists? Um, let's see. Hip hop. I know some people would put would fuse hip hop and R&B as one. I guess, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. So guys like Usher can get inducted into that hip hop. Usher, Luther Vandross, Lionel Richie, a lot of the soul artists, yeah. Yeah, Otis Redding and shit like that, Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. But this whole inducting rappers, and, and again, the, the the thing is, is that the rappers are Hall of Famers. It's just yeah. not rock and roll. Yeah, it's not that they're inducting like bums, or bum rappers. So they're inducting like legit rappers who made money and who are iconic, and they're in their respective genre. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know. Very weird. It's it's a very weird criteria, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they do kind of have like a subgenre kind of sorts, like how WWE has like the celebrity wing or something. Like rock and roll, they do. They have something similar like that. Like, uh, for example, uh, Don Cornelius, who created Soul Train, he's getting a special award for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hmm. Um, one of Elton John's uh, songwriting partners, Bernie Taupin, he's going to get a spot too. Uh, Chaka Khan, she's going to get the Music Ex- Excellence Award at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So you kind of have those subgenres too. Um, let's see, Secondary Wars, uh, Fallen Rain singer Link Ray and DJ Cool. Received a musical influence award, so you kind of have those as well. Now, that, those about, I like, like songwriters, I think should get their props too. Now, what about disco artists? Where were they? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. Where would they fit? Where would you put a disco artist? Yeah, like, um, oh, who's the group that sang Brick House? Uh, Great. Now I'm gonna have to look this up. Oh, the Commodores. Yeah, Commodores, Casey, and the Sunshine Band. Like, where would they go? And who's the one that's saying, uh, everybody was kung fu fighting? Yeah, him. I think he's the one who He's just like, yeah, him. Uh, what the fuck saying that song? Now, now I gotta look this up. Kung fu. Uh, Plus, they probably were going to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You think disco's, uh, rock and roll? No, but with, um, if I'm using their logic, yes. Yeah, that's their logic, but if we were using uh, particular music, I think that's more popish. Yeah, oh yeah, you could throw in with pop. Hmm. So is, is Wild Cherry in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I have no idea. I don't have the entire list in front of me. Uh, how about the Village People? 
The village. Oh, I doubt it. I doubt, highly doubt that. Wow, the village people. You would think the village people would be in there, especially since, um, what's the uh, the famous line from AJ Styles? The gay community. The gay community. A community. Gay community. Yeah, they 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 look up to the village people because they were kind of like the first. I don't know if they were the first, but it's very. Uh, it's got its reputation in that field. Yeah, and, and according to Wikipedia, village people are considered disco, soul, funk, and I mean, come on, they have the two big songs, Macho Man and YMCA. Yeah, so I guess they could probably, maybe you could argue for R and B, but I would maybe throw them in just a pop category. I'm, it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, those are your fi- your finalists for this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The ceremony is supposed to take place November fourth. Damn, that's pretty late. I thought they used to do those in the summer. Oh, I could be wrong. Well, no, I, maybe they did do it around in the fall time. I guess. Oh, whatever. They didn't put in Soundgarden. They didn't put in White Stripes, but Missy Elliott got to put her in there. Yeah, Iron Maiden didn't make the cut. It's crazy. But we're gonna head over to more some Mortal Kombat news. Okay. The Boys star Carl Urban reportedly in final talks to tap in for Johnny Cage in its Mortal Kombat reboot sequel. Carl Urban. Um, I'm trying to think of maybe you've seen him in a movie, but I think no, this is no, no, no. I know who he is. But I'm yeah, Carl wondering. Urban as Johnny Cage. I'm just wondering why. Why him? Yeah, I, I know he was in the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, uh, what else was he in? He was in Doom. That fucking monstrosity. Yeah, I, I, I barely. I've seen that movie once, and I just forgot about it. I know he was in Dread. Oh yeah, he's no, he's a good actor. He's that Dread is some, talk about an underrated movie, Dread. Maybe I should keep my mouth shut because I, I was puzzled at Heath Ledger playing the Joker, but I was really, I knew it was a long shot, but they couldn't have gotten the Miz to play Johnny Cage. <laughs> that would have been fucking awesome i mean sasha banks got to play a role in uh, mandalorian so it wasn't out of the realm to have miz go out there and actually star in a big franchise like mortal kombat and be johnny cage i guess it seems like to be more of a studio thing they probably wanted a name or something or at least someone that has a following who I mean, they, maybe they're not even familiar with the miz Mike, it's not like The Miz isn't famous. I mean, he had the real world stuff. I would say in WWE terms, he's slightly above a good majority of their roster. Because, again, he had the celebrity status even before he got there. So he already had an unfair advantage. But fast-forwarding to this, I mean... In the end, we reviewed the Mortal Kombat movie. I don't remember where you stood exactly on it. I was in the middle with it. I, I think I, I remember saying that I may have enjoyed it a little more than the original. I'm I'm not married to that. I'm going to have to watch it. I'm going to watch it again. I'm definitely not married to that because at least the original didn't follow the game all that religiously. But every actor and character felt real and felt uh organic 
like Christopher Lambert as Raiden felt organic. I didn't like the Raiden in this new one because the original Raiden was he was honest, but he cared, and he always showed his caring uh, nature because Raiden is is the god of lightning and protector of the realm of Earth. Whereas the Raiden in this one was just a straight up fucking jerk off. Yeah, I like, like Raiden the new one. I didn't like uh, Shao Kahn. I don't even remember Shao Kahn in the n- newer one. It's that that's how like little impact he had on me. Uh, freaking, what's his face? Shang Tsung. Guy who played Shang Tsung. Like God bless him. He was all right in Dark Knight, but he just wasn't a legit Shang Shang Tsung. Like Kerry Tagawa made that role. Yeah. So. I, it could be biased because I saw the original Mortal Kombat movie as a child in theaters when it came out twice. And that movie is kind of like sentimental to me. But they killed off the character that I always wanted in the Mortal Kombat movies in Kung Lao. I don't think that was a smart move. I thought that was the dumbest move because Kung Lao has the kick-ass hat. So it's like... <sighs> but the, the, the new story you're bringing up is Johnny Cage. So... It's just a rumor. It's not set in stone. Fair. Nothing is Nothing is yeah. set. Uh, he hasn't signed anything yet. That's just a rumor. Kobe the studio is on because I believe they start shooting this movie sometime this year. Yeah, because here I just went on Wikipedia. It says here professional wrestler Mike the Miz Mizanin openly expressed interest in the part of Cage while receiving support of Mortal Kombat co-creator Ed Boon, but according to Garner, Carl Urban as you mentioned, uh, has been in final talks for the role. And it says here on April 17, 2023, Garner confirmed that filming would run from June to September while the hashtag show reported that Shao Kahn, Baraka, Katana, Quan Chi, and Sindel were slated to appear. Um, now, I'm not sure where the hell the story is going because obviously I would think the Mortal Kombat tournament itself is going to be happening. I thought they were going to do an end credit scene with um, Quan Chi being the real... Uh, puppet master behind uh, Sub-Zero. Um, but they didn't yeah, do that. Yeah, because in the game, Scorpion was after Sub-Zero for killing his family and him, because now he's a Spectre. But then he came to find out around Mortal Kombat 4 that Quan Chi was the one that killed his family. I don't know, man. Like, this... <laughs> I wasn't... It, it, there was things I liked about the Mortal Kombat movie, but then there were things like Cole Young. Having Cole Young in there was just like... Yeah, he was in the way. Too much in the way. And Scorpion and Sub-Zero are what now? Like, they're from hundreds of years ago. Whatever the fuck it was. I, I don't remember. It well, got the, too- the story with that, I thought was that they're from separate uh, uh, ninja clans. Well, Sub-Zero is considering himself a ninja. He says, I'm a, I think, a Lin Kuei. Yeah, the Lin Kuei, yes. Yeah, Scorpion's a ninja. And then before that whole massacre happened, they made agreement, both uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero's clans, that they were not going to fight anymore because they didn't want their children fighting each other over what. So they agreed to say, hey, you know, whatever beef we have, let's end it here. No more. We'll go live our separate lives. We don't want to fight anymore. And they both agreed. And then, of course, and it looked like Sub-Zero went back on his word, but it turns out it wasn't Sub-Zero at all. It was his other guy, Quan Chi. That was a story I always believed. They never elaborated on on that part where the both clans agreed to not fight each other prior to the beginning of the movie. 
with yeah. uh, Scorpion's family being massacred. And they also killed Goro. In they his killed, first fight. Yeah, yeah. That was fucking ridiculously stupid. Hey, if you're gonna kill Goro, at least let Goro kill a bunch of fuckers before you kill him. Like, as much as Goro looked like a goddamn joke against Johnny Cage in that movie, at least he killed a bunch of fucking people before he got killed by Johnny Cage like an idiot. Hey, at least they try to make him like a threat, even though he didn't do... I mean, we didn't get that R rating of him, I don't know, punching a dude's face and see his guts... It was... I mean, the advantage that the new one had, it was rated R. But, you know, I would have fixed a lot of stuff with the story. It wasn't a perfect movie, but I was like, ah, I guess it's still passable. It did get a lot of flat, though. Yeah. Because it was just not up to par with what they could have done. And I don't think it was up to par, personally. It was fine, but it wasn't... It, the first movie back in 1995, despite it being PG-13, did way more to service. And and don't even get me started on the fucking reptile. We already said. I thought <laughs> reptile in this movie looked like reptar on ice from fucking Rugrats. Yeah, there's... um. Again, I mean, it seems like Johnny Cage. You just mentioned the other characters too. I'm not really sure where they're gonna fit in with all with all of them because Shang Tsung's still alive. So I guess he'll be the final boss, the big fight, the climax fight scene in the end. This will be interesting where they're gonna go with this. I mean, I'm gonna watch it obviously because I'm a Mortal Kombat guy. I know you are. We're gonna review it on this podcast whenever it comes out, whenever we get around to it. Should this be the first movie we actually see in theaters together? Like we sh- we've never seen a movie together in theaters. No, we haven't. No, it's, that should be one that we should tackle. I guess depending on when it comes out. Probably be next year, my guess. Uh, maybe we'll find a movie sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. So I mean, overall with Carl Urban, um, not my first choice, but at the same time, I'm not against it. I like Carl Urban. I think he he can do something. I think he'll be very fun with the character. I'll give him a chance, I guess. I shouldn't write him off just yet. There have been actors that have proven me wrong, so he could be one. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll just have to uh, wait and see until uh, they officially seal the deal with uh, Carl Urban or whoever they get to freaking play Mr. Cage. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, if Van Damme was like 30 years younger, I would easily said him. Uh, Van Damme has an accent, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I think I'd be all right. Again, I think The Miz would have been perfect for Johnny Cage. He just has it, but... It seems like, yeah, but it's not... Again, it's not. still not too late. Still not too late. I'm just saying, personally, not a lot of the actors slash actresses really did it for me in the last one. The last one... um, uh, Kano was great. Kano was probably the uh, highlight. Kano was the highlight, and of course, he's dead. Um... Freaking, I loved Kung Lao, but that, I'm biased. I can't remember if Jax was fine. I think Jax was okay. I don't, was I don't know. He was fine. He really didn't have a lot to work with. I, we need more of him. Sonya, it's fine. Didn't really bother me. Luke Kang. Just, just cut out Cole Young. Give the spotlight to everyone else. You would have had a better movie. Yeah, Luke Kang should have been the main focus. And I don't like this whole, oh, oh we got to do something different. Why? What? That, I think that's, that was their mindset. We had, we didn't want to make it too much like the original 95 movie. But what better was Cole Young? It's not like he was any better. Like, 
if here's the old saying, it's a saying that's been repeated for years and years and years. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Somebody convinced you dumb motherfuckers that it was broke. Have you ever seen the animated movies? The anim uh I saw It's on uh it's on Max, yeah. So there was one animated it was a tape that was uh, distributed before the movie came out. It was to promote the movie. Oh, no, not that. Uh, that's the only one I know of off the top of my head. There was an animated show that didn't last long. Yeah, the I animated see show, you have the live-action show that was on TNT. I think that only lasted like a season. Meh. It was, that was all right. That wasn't really... That wasn't nothing special. I didn't get to watch... What was it called? Legacy? Where they did I a trailer with... Yeah, I would recommend that one because each episode. So, I didn't get minutes. to see Legacy. I only saw that trailer with the uh, Jaleed. No, oh my god! So you think? Oh, I know what you think. I'm blanking on his name too now. Yeah, the guy who played Jax. Yeah. God damn it! He he does a ton of parody movies too. I'm blanking on his name. Shit! He was in Dark Knight. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh no, we're we're gonna figure his fucking name out because he deserves <laughs> respect. <laughs> This motherfucker deserves respect, man. I mean, this guy, he's got one of the greatest voices I've ever heard. Yeah, he's like, like, he's I said a martial artist, too. Yeah. Oh, Michael J. White. Michael J. White. <laughs> he, he's got a great voice. Like, if he ever wanted to do, like, voice acting or narration, he's up there with Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. I know he's done voice acting for some of the uh, DC animated movies. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, he was in a big DC movie, even though he wasn't a huge role, but... He was Spawn. Yeah. And Spawn. I was about to bring that up, yeah. But um, I think like within the past five years, there was two Mortal Kombat animated movies. It was Scorp Scorpion's Revenge and I can't remember the second one. But it's very – it's basically – it follows the game lore a lot more. It's it's two animated movies. They're both on HBO Max right now, or at least they should be. And especially for you, I would recommend them. All right. Since they're on HBO Max, and I got nothing to do this weekend other than celebrate my brother's birthday. Why not? Yeah, each movie's like one hour twenty, so we'll fly by for you. Good oh, breeze through that. Especially, you know, since you've seen the Tekken animated series, which I finished and I really enjoyed it. Uh, there you go. I told you. Oh, and my, I didn't know this. Michael J. White starred in a movie I didn't even know existed until now. Undercover Brother Two. Oh yeah, um, that was one of the. Um, What's Universal's uh, 1440 uh, pictures? That's like their straight-to-DVD movies. Yeah, I mean, I probably... I, I liked the first one. Yeah, well, no one in the first one is in that movie. Aha. Uh -huh. No okay. Chappelle, no Eddie Griffin, it's just... No, uh, what's that dude's name? Neil Patrick Harris? No him, it's a whole new cast. It's probably half the budget. But it has the same name. <laughs> Just with the two at the end. Just with the two at the end. Just to sell you on that. You want to move over to Disney? Again? Yeah, just two <laughs> stories. It, 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 is this good stuff or is this woke shit? Uh, well, depending how how you feel about it, I guess. It's more biz. It's more the business stuff of Disney. Go first, ahead. First things first. Ant Man and the Wasp. Quantumania has lost Disney and Marvel. $125 million. <laughs> Drop in the bucket for them. Wah, wah, wah. What was wrong with those movies? Uh, One, it's Ant-Man. Ant-Man is really not as popular as the other superheroes, even though a lot of people do like Paul Rudd. I mean, that's he's really the only reason, I guess, to like Ant-Man is played by Paul Rudd. 
Paul Rudd's a likable guy. He, he's very likable. I like him. He just has, he has that charm to him. But, yeah. But like Disney's problem with all these films, it is say with me, folks. Woke. Hmm. The message. The message is there. The daughter is now an activist, and you, we, and they're all. Uh, <sighs> it just it just wasn't a good movie. You know what's funny is that the new Beavis and Butthead movie that's on Paramount Plus, they kind of interject some of that woke stuff, but not woke in the sense of they're trying to convey a message. They take the kids that are saying this message and turn it into a joke. There's literally a scene where Beavis and Butthead walk into a classroom and the kids are telling them about white privilege and how they get away with everything because they're white. And they think it's awesome. So they start, like, stealing stuff, like stealing food. They top into a car, crash into it, and the cops are about to arrest him. He's like, uh, sir, do you not understand we have white privilege? <laughs> like, that is funny. But this ain't funny. It's funny in a cosmic sort of way. <laughs> Just, God, why? Disney, you, you have one job. One fucking job. You know what's crazy is that both Nintendo and Disney are a lot alike in the sense of they always try to create family-oriented entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's probably the best way you're going to make a lot of money. Oh, yeah. PG-13, I guess family-friendly is the way. It's, it's how you're going to make hit that billion-dollar mark. But that being said, Nintendo has not caved into this woke shit. Not Every yet. game that you... Well, I don't think they are because they're a Japanese-based company. Well, that's probably well, that's probably their glass ceilings. I guarantee you if the American division probably wouldn't make it woke, but they got to get through their bosses in Japan, and they're telling them, uh-uh-uh. Japan is very stern with their beliefs. Japan mm -hmm. is... It, I, I One of my good friends is Japanese, and he's told me, Japanese, they don't play when it comes to their copyright and shit like that. They 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 don't fuck around. So, that being said, there was a moment where Nintendo actually shut that shit down. That whole woke shit. I, I can't remember what game it was, but people were putting a lot of woke stuff on their uh, characters or on their... I, I can't remember what game it was. And Nintendo actually put a stop to that. They said, you can be creative, but you ain't interjecting your gay, woke, whatever nonsense that you're going to put in there. This is we a don't family. Want to get in any of these politics. Exactly. We are a gaming company made to make games for everybody to enjoy. You can enjoy it too, but leave the politics aside. Enjoy the game. I mean, I, I hate to use them as an example, but look what happened to Bud Light. Bud Light was even dumber because Bud Light. Who's drinking fucking Bud Light? Who's the, the Democrats? Fucking rednecks. Fucking Trumpers. Rednecks, the firefighters, the hardworking Americans, as you mentioned, the Trumpers, the sports fans, yeah. the everyday guy. I'm going to question why they're drinking of all beers that they could fucking drink. Bud Light tastes like piss. I'm not a beer drinker anyway. The one that I tolerate is Coors Light, but... Anyway. I think the reason the sales were already declining before this whole Dylan stuff happened. And I think the reason they were declining is that now there's so many more alternatives to Bud Light as than there was, I'd say, what, in the 90s? Now you have Modelo. You have, well, I mean, Coors Light was always around. But now you have uh, Blue Moon. 
Oh, you mm-hmm. now people have actually tasted what real beer is supposed to taste like. They're like, holy shit, this is way better than freaking Bud Light. Bud Light freaking yeah. tastes like piss. But the one thing Bud Light had going for it, and Budweiser is the name, it had a longevity of a name. Yeah, they have the longevity, yeah, as you mentioned. They have the so, name, number that, one beer in America for so long. You've seen their commercials, uh, Real Men of Genius, and probably their most genius ad was, Waza! Uh, don't forget the frogs. Bud Wise. Yeah. But now they try to cater to that. And that's the thing. We've said it on this podcast plenty of times. You're trying to cater to, first off, a small, very vocal, but small market that's not going to buy your shit anyways. They're not going to. This goes all the way back to when women say we want to compete in sports. Cool. Great. Now, to be fair, women in sports has not been a complete disastrous failure ufc did great with guy, girls like ronda rousey nisha tay Ali holm uh man nunez etc so their women division thrived however it's a see that's a division a division of a male dominated sport sure it's gonna thrive but if you right. want to give the females literally their own sport well, again, going back to that, you give the women a basketball league. Nobody's at the stadiums. It's 20,000 seat arena stadiums, but I keep saying stadiums. That's incorrect. Arenas. 20,000 seat arenas. Only a thousand people are showing up. As Bill Burr said, fucking feminists should be in those damn seats with their titties hanging out, colored in the team that they are supporting, going batshit crazy. And they're not there. And uh, let's go all the way back to, uh, I forgot what discussion we were having last night. It was with my better half. The whole ordeal of women wanting to be paid the same amount as the men. Why aren't we being paid the same when we're doing the same exact work? Difference is they're drawing in the fans. I remember why now. It was because uh, somebody wanted to get paid the same amount. Oh, it was, uh, what's her face? Jennifer Lawrence getting all fucking worked up because she didn't get paid the same amount as Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie they did together. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio is a 20-year vet, established name. He's pretty much been there, done that. He, he deserves all this money. Same thing with the NBA. They, they generate a whole shitload of money. WNBA, I can't even name you one fucking team other than New York Liberty. Yeah, I, I could I couldn't name you five at five female athletes in WNBA. You put a gun to my head, I'm, I'll just tell you to pull the trigger. Yeah, the only one I know of is Brittany Griner, and not because of her playing abilities. Yeah, not for yeah, <laughs> for other reasons. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the point, um, with Bud Light, the Dylan Mulvaney stuff is not the first time they got political. I think people forgot around the mid 2010s. Do you remember when Seth Rogen, they had Seth Rogen and Amy Schumer doing those commercials? Well, the fact that you brought those two up, I already know where this is fucking going. Exactly. Because uh, everybody loves these two. <laughs> and even those commercials, they were pushing their political agenda. And of course, this was right in the middle of the uh, Trump election. Yeah. People were already not buying it. And they, they eventually removed those ads because it was doing terrible for them in sales. It wasn't doing this bad. But now we well, get here. Go, what, you can see them? No, I was only going to say, 
the reason it didn't do bad then was because it wasn't as prevalent then of these freaking political ads. That was probably like one in maybe 10,000. Now we're getting them all the freaking time. And I think this was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Because, again, redneck Trumpers who drink beer, they, they don't abide to the whole transgender community. Oh, yeah, they don't and abide the, to the whole gender ideology. Right. It, it would be like if... L- l- let me put it to you like this. It would be like if there was a product... I know I'm bringing up an extreme, but hear me out. If your product was catered to Polish people, like myself, I'm Polish. If we bought your product and now you want to promote a Nazi promoting this product. What do you think Polish people are going to do? They're going to be like, fuck you. Like Nazis and, and Polish people, we don't mix. It's not our thing. Get this fucking shit out of here. It's an extreme. But the point is, is that it's it's in the same vein of uh, if you would try to promote, again, another extreme. If you go to Saudi Arabia and you try to promote a gay person on a product, they're going to repulse at it. They don't. That's not their thing. You're taking something that they are the complete antithesis to and promoting it to them. Transgender ideology you're promoting to these people, they're going to reject it. And then your business is going to falter. And then the damage control afterwards was fucking hilarious. <laughs> trying to release the commercial all patriotic. You know, like, horses. Yeah. And then... <laughs> fucking horse. I... You were, it, it, no, here's what they needed to do. If they really were serious about it and they really wanted to apologize, put fucking Donald Trump in that commercial. Then let's see how serious you are. Your fucking apology. Have him be like, Hello, this is Donald Trump, number 45, best president ever. I'm having Bud Light, you should too. Bill Mulvaney, fake news, you are pathetic. Okay? Okay. Believe me. But um, to do a quick summary for those that don't know, um, during March, obviously March is what? Women Appreciation Month, Women's History Month, whatever. It's a, it's a female-centric gimmick. So what did mm. my light do? They said, okay, let's cash in on this. You would think they would put an actual woman on their cans, right? Because if they would have done that, we they would not be in the situation that they're in now. Instead, they put a trans woman by the name of Dylan Mulvaney, where he's dressed up like uh, Audrey Hepburn. And he made a video saying, oh, hey, guys, you know, uh, Bud Light once, once uh, gave me um, – because Dylan was doing like a gimmick of 365 days as a woman. Every day he would make a new video um, highlighting his days of being a quotation to a female. And he did it on TikTok and it was very big within the trans community. So um, – and he eventually hit his one-year landmark and he started getting all these sponsors um Olay, uh Tamp uh Tampax, um Maybelline, um Nike, and he's basically promoting all these female products. Now, eventually Bud Light sees all this and they want to cash in on him. And that's what they did. They sent him a can with his face on it. And as soon as not even a day I, when Dylan put this video out, there was an immediate backlash. 
And that's when the hashtag boycott Bud Light started happening. And I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever seen a corporation fall down this hard than Bud Light. Their entire reputation is ruined. Did you see the uh, video clip of the the Red Sox game? I did not. Uh, last week, there was um, someone recorded a video of just being at one of the Boston Red Sox games. And he's in the uh, concession stands. And he sees the line. He's recording the lines of everyone at the you know waiting line to get their beers, their drink. There's that line. And then there's the Bud Light line. And it is entirely empty. The cash register guy's literally just sitting there bored. He looked like he was about to fall asleep. <laughs> That's how bad the boycott has gotten. I think this is beyond the boycott at this point. It's just uh, not it's, cool. It's just not cool to drink Bud Light anymore. You get made fun of for drinking Bud Light. All and for what? Just cashing. And what makes this worse, besides the Dylan stuff, was that um, the vice president, the VP, who's in charge of marketing, she did an interview some for some YouTube podcast. Well, I'm a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we mm-hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what, is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of bratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach. So basically, she's trashing her own customers. This lady is literally everything that is wrong with corporate woke America. And she is largely responsible for possibly the end of Bud Light or um, whatever their parent, their parent company, uh, Ashari Build, whatever the hell they're called. The problem is, first off, yeah, she called her customer base out of touch. And it's not like she was doing the Hall and Oates music. She was calling them as an insult out of touch which is quite funny because because she should look in the fucking mirror because this this reflection of how much Bud Light has fallen since then should be like a a, a tall tall tale and here's the crazy part it's not like this can was for sale it was strictly for Dylan Mulvaney what I think it was going to be is that they sent that can to Dylan as a prototype for what they were going to release probably in the summer. Mm. If, if they want to just make that can as a, as a congratulations. No, no, no. They're going all the way with this. It's just that the backlash got in the way or put a stop to everything. Well, yeah, because it's just getting too ridiculous. And, and regardless of where you may land on that spectrum, it's too much. It's too much forcing the whole idea into your face and then ridiculing you if you don't 
fully align with it. Now we're starting to see a complete backlash. We didn't see this ridiculous backlash when the gay and, and homosexual community were coming out and asking for the same rights. We weren't getting that. I mean, I'm sure there were uh, homophobic bigots out there. They're, you're going to have them no matter what. You're going to have somebody who's going to discriminate. But here's the thing. The transgender community is not getting that same respect because they're going about it completely differently than how the gay community went and got about it. It wasn't force-fed. It was slow, methodical, changing people's minds, getting them to understand their their plight, and getting people to be like, you know what, you're right. Now, this, again, 2023, you're never going to eradicate people who are homophobic. It's just the nature of the piece. But you can at least create enough of a spectrum where people will stand up for you and defend you if somebody goes out of their way to physically harm you or belittle you in a very mean sense for your sexual orientation. But with the transgender community, it's been a whole different weird thing like the gay community wasn't going out there and saying that you're five years old you're playing with female dolls you must be gay we gotta we gotta mold you into a gay person at five years old not the case now they always said that you were born gay but i don't remember this whole we gotta mold them into a gay person with transgender on the other hand if a boy is playing with girl toys now we gotta t transition them into a girl and put them on ho uh, hormone hormone blockers is what i was about to say and all this crazy nonsense that it's just no wonder there's a backlash to it there's a re like a complete repulsed uh, reaction to this whole thing and the fact that if all transgender people of all of them that they could have picked they picked Dylan Mulvaney, the worst example of a transgender that you could have used. Because I've seen Dylan Mulvaney's clips. This person's not genuine in the fucking slightest. Freaking Caitlyn Jenner is way more genuine than this motherfucker. And I think that Caitlyn Jenner transitioned for the attention. But Caitlyn Jenner's way more fucking genuine than this fuck nut. And keep in mind, I'm saying fucknut not because maybe they're transgender. I'm saying he's a fucknut because this is totally a plight. This is a, I will sit here and say that Colin Kaepernick's a fucknut because I don't believe anything that he's saying is really from the heart. He's just saying it because it's the right uh, thing for him to say to get his, his notoriety out there because it's woke. Notice that Colin Kaepernick wasn't saying all this shit when he actually made it to the damn Super Bowl. But he started saying it when he was about to be benched and not be the starting quarterback anymore. Kind of weird. I'm at my ropes end with this whole shit. I'm glad that Bud Light is starting to see that the customer base isn't going to give a shit anymore. Because but not only there's not only did they story. Well, before I let you elaborate, let me bring up one more thing just to show that this is not working anymore. Hogwarts Legacy. The same community telling you don't buy Hogwarts Legacy because it's made... The whole idea of Harry Potter was made by J.K. Rowling. Fucking game has reached like billions of dollars in sales. Thank God, because I grew up with Harry Potter. Hogwarts Legacy was a game that I've wanted for 20-something years. 
finally came into life. I'm playing it. I'm loving the shit out of it. And I'm not going to let somebody tell me that I'm this horrible person because I want to play a game. A game that doesn't even talk about transgender people. Give me a fucking break. You know, Bud Light has put themselves in this position. Honestly, I hope they go under because they're idiots. I hope this whole company goes under. Because uh, weeks after they put out that uh, that sponsorship with Mulvaney, they got this entire outrage, this boycott began. And all people wanted from Bud Light was an apology. Hey, mm. we screwed up. And then they did put out a letter. And they said a bunch of words, everything but an apology. The CEO saying, you know, I served my time in the Marines. I know it's like to be a true hardworking American, you know, and, and they put out other statements that, oh, come on. You know, it was just a can. This wasn't meant to be a sponsorship, you know, an entire like an endorsement deal. It was just a can, which I call bullshit. I was like, no, no, no. The Y'all just sent him the prototype of what you guys are going to ship out later in the year. Uh, so yeah. I don't buy that at all. Um, they also and um the uh, vice president, uh, Alyssa, the one that did this interview, she has taken a quotations, a leave of absence, and they already replaced her with a new VP. So basically, they didn't even publicly fire her. She's on a leave of absence. So as of right now, technically, she's still employed. Yeah. So we got no apology. We got nothing out of this company. They're just they're just staying quiet and hoping that all this just goes away. And what's now what's worse for them is that now gay bars in Chicago are no longer carrying Bud Light because they're pissed off that Bud Light isn't endorsing Dylan Mulvaney. Hmm. So now they're in the, they're literally in the middle of the road. They don't know what to do. Well, they shouldn't be because their sales are tanking because of Dylan Mulvaney. Yeah, no vendor wants to buy Bud Lights anymore. No bars want to buy Bud Light because all the Bud so, Light they already have, they can't sell it. So why are they concerned with the gay bars if they're not the ones that are keeping Bud Light afloat? Because this this girl, this VP, thought this was the direction they needed to go. Right, but they're not the ones making the money, as it's clearly shown, because clearly, if, yeah. this, if this was the case, if Bud Light's main demographic was the LGBTQ community then there wouldn't have been this backlash or the sales wouldn't have dipped as drastically as it did. Now, again, I sat here and said, I don't even know why people like Bud Light to begin with. I, I, it's probably name value, as we've already discussed. But yeah, name value. And then I guess when you go to these games, it's not like you have much of a variety when it comes to buying alcohols besides Bud Light and whatever other alternatives yeah. there is. They want a washed down beer because they don't want you getting intoxicated at the freaking games, even though it still happens. They always water that shit down and charge you like ridiculous amounts. So, and I guess Bud Light is like the best type for that. But the point being is that your main demographic isn't those people. So if, if what you said is true, now gay bars are now angry because... They don't have Dylan Mulvaney cans. Well, you're you're not the 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 reason that this company is afloat. It's like if a company has we use Nintendo as a prime example. They have their franchises. They have uh, Mario. They've got Zelda. They've got Donkey Kong and all that stuff. But if they create a franchise, let's say 
for years they have not made an F-Zero game. And usually their excuse is <clears throat> because they don't have any ideas of how to uh, execute the next F-Zero game. But actually, that's a bad example. We'll go with Metroid. For years, there wasn't a new Metroid game because Metroid did not bank in the sales that Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, etc. would bank in. You usually put all your focus on the franchises that make you money. Now, you want to make a bunch of franchises that make you money because you want to have multiple alternatives. You don't want to be like that company, was it Ravio or Rovio that created Angry Birds, where they're relying on putting all their eggs in one basket. Because whenever they create another game, it fails because they don't know how to make a game. But you also have to realize that certain things don't work. There are certain things you just can't cater to those. So Bud Light being that it's a conservative redneck beer, you cater to those motherfuckers. Why? I, I, I'm not. I was joking earlier when I said put fucking Donald Trump. But in all honesty, that would have probably been the one way they could have theoretically saved their ass without having to say the words. I'm sorry, because at least it would show that they are really trying to wrong uh, right this wrong they didn't do that they they did do a commercial where it's like oh we're true patriotic americans yeah yeah no no one's buying it no one's buying it because as soon as you put that out you're gonna do another dylan mulvaney can they put that out but and the reason look it's not just a can first of all it's clear as day Oh, it's just a can. No, this was a clear sponsorship. You wanted to get that can to Dylan Mulvaney, and you wanted Dylan Mulvaney to promote the fucking thing. That was your goal. Otherwise, you would have had him do a uh, non-disclosure agreement where he can't, or she, or whatever, promote this damn beer on their Instagram if it was just for them. Plain and simple. It's... This was clearly a promotional tactic that fell flat on its face. Bar none. It, that's, that's the nature of the beast. The reason Pepsi didn't fail after that Kendall Jenner commercial where she's handing the can to the cops is because Pepsi has so many different demographics that drink that damn soda. Boys, girls, men, women, kids, uh, Trumpers, uh, Biden boys, girls, whatever the fuck. But Bud Light is like a strictly like redneck conservative shit. Yeah, and, and you just smack- and, and, and with that too, this is like the first product they've gotten a trans woman to promote. That's basically a man, a male product. Because all the other examples I mentioned, Nike, Olay, those are all female products. And the reason there's no outrage for that, not yet at least. Because as I told you before, I just think theme, there's not enough of a female uh, boycott for them to boycott um, these products. Because I just think the the females are too nice. There's not enough women that are pissed off about this. That's why that's why they've gotten away with it. But now with this, this is the first product that's catered really strictly just for men. I mean, women can drink it too, but it's catered more to, as I mentioned, a hardworking rednecks, the sports fan, men. And you got this guy pretending to be a woman on Women's History Month. And the men are like, what the fuck is this? That's a dude. Men 
who get up at six o'clock in the morning and drive trucks. Yes. That's who you're trying to cater this to. You're trying to talk to the to the guy who wakes up at six o'clock, works 10, 11 hours driving a freaking pickup truck or an actual truck delivering goods, maybe oh, having a little stuff. And having to work hard to support his family. And now you want to shove this hot, let's, let's face it, a highly privileged individual. This person's gotten so much benefit, it's not even funny from all this crap. And you want to shove it in their face. It's the only way they could have made this worse is if they would have made a, a children's product. Like, let's say, I don't know, we'll go with Disney having Mickey Mouse interact with Dylan Mulvaney. That would have made it worse. I, now, I don't know how the boycott would have been there. Probably would have gotten like a lot of thumbs down, but who knows how much money Disney would have lost. It probably, I don't think it would be as bad only because I think Disney is is so bigger and, uh, you know, they're pretty far left for the most part. I think they probably would get away with it a lot better. I, I think Bud Light thought they could get away with it too and then they uh, are sadly mistaken. And honestly, dude, I think this is it for Bud Light because I don't even know if an apology is going to be enough. I mean, if they give it up, what they got to do, they need to give a public apology we're sorry. We will not sponsor Dylan Mulvaney. We are against uh, gender ideology. And we're going to publicly fire Alyssa, say her last name, as our marketing VP. And we're going to start all over. We're going to go back to being what we once was. You make that public apology and maybe there's hope. But even then, I don't think there's hope because they're waiting too long. Exactly. Now, The longer they wait, the worse it is. Right now, it's so bad for them. This, as I'm, this is beyond the boycott. It's just not cool. Nobody wants to even touch Bud Light. How do you yeah. fix that? Well, How do you come back from all this? The way they should have fixed it was they should have made an apology, explained why they made the can. It was, I think they did. They did explain the can. It was only for Dylan Mulvaney. That was they one of their statements in their first public statement. They didn't even mention anything about any, anything that was happening to them. They just said, oh, we didn't mean to divide, you know, we didn't mean to divide the country or the people over our products. They didn't even acknowledge anything. They just said a bunch of words. Be honest with your mistake. You fucked up. You're suffering the consequences. Try and fix it. Say, we're going to do better. We're just going to promote your beer. We may even make a better tasting beer just as an apology to you guys. And we hope that you give us a second chance. That's what they should have done the second that this all started to really hit the fan. But because they want to grind their feet to the ground and say it's not our fault. They know there's a problem, but they don't want to admit that they were the initiators of this problem. They'll blame blame the vice president hoping she's going to be their scapegoat. Which is all bullshit because you guys have been trying to put politics into your drinks for years now. So this is nothing new. It's just that this the gender ideology was was really the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, yeah, she initiated it, but who fucking gave her the job? Exactly. Yeah, you gave her the fucking job. So hold on, it's your fault. This is yep. This you guys backed yourselves into a corner of the situation that you created. All you had to do was sell beer. Congratulations, Gillette. You guys are off the hook. Yeah. 
Well, Gillette never suffered as much as these people did. Yeah, this this is. They're gonna teach this in classes of how not how not to do grow your how to kill your brand, kill everything you worked so hard for in five minutes, and this yeah. is gonna be your example. Yeah, this is pretty bad. This is very bad. I I'm calling it right now. This is it. Bud Light's done. They're fucked. Yeah, I I really don't know how they they recover from this. this they're not going to apologize because they, then they're going to be afraid of the reverse backlash they're going to get from the 1%. Here's the thing, and th- th- this annoys me to no end. They're the type of people that would rather run up a tree and and tell a lie than stand on the ground and tell the truth. Yep. That's good. Yeah. That's, those type of people amaze the fuck out of me, personally. It's it is it's incredible how this like I've I've never seen anything like this a, co- a corporation a billion dollar corporation is going to go down all because of this. Yeah, they didn't want to man up to their mistakes. I'm sorry, we fucked up because now we're, uh, apparently the story is that they're going to be tripling their marketing budget to uh, try to get away from this to, to, to try to distance themselves from this Dylan stuff. To try to bring get their old customers back. And why would they want to go back? Exactly. They've already they've already proven that not only are we going to shove our ideology in your face, we're not even going to apologize for it, even if our business suffers. We would rather the girl. We would rather lose. We would rather lose a lot of money as long as our message gets out there. Than to just make a bunch of money and cater to you people. I'll, uh, if any other news comes up on this, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> give you guys an update. But yeah, that's the situation Bud Light is in. I, as I mentioned, I've I've never seen anything like this ever, ever. Yeah. And this Believe. is really like the Boston Tea Party all over again, but with Bud Light. Well. I think all that whole conversation happened because I was just mentioning that Ant-Man and Wasp lost Disney 125 million. We just went to that whole tirade. Yeah. We had to it, it, was, it was very cathartic. Yeah. But um but yeah, as we mentioned, Disney is a uh, yeah, they just lost 125 million. Speaking of them losing money, we mentioned on this podcast a while back that they lost a lot of money off of their Disney Plus app. They haven't made a single uh dollar. They haven't, they haven't profited at all off of this app. Uh, they're continuing to lose subscribers. Um, I believe they lost another 4 million subscribers. Most of it was overseas. But still, they're still losing numbers. And it turns out that uh, later in the year, Disney Plus and Hulu is going to merge into one single app. Okay. Now, for those that don't know, Disney also owns the Hulu app. They uh, got to own that up under their purchase with 20th Century Fox, and 20th Century Fox owned the Hulu app. And if I if they're not making money off of Disney Plus, I know damn well they're not making money off of Hulu either. So they don't see the point. Why are we funding two apps if we're not making money off of either of them? Let's just put it into one and just hope for the best. Or just make good content and stay away from the woke shit, as we've already discussed. That. Why did I think of that? That's genius. It's uh, the one uh, Sean O'Hare would say. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Wow. Should we get into our film discussion? Uh, yeah. Away from the woke shit. <laughs>
Well, today's film we're going to be reviewing is the film May, released in 2002. It's an hour and 33 minutes. It's rated R, written and directed by Lucky McKee, starring Angela Betis as May, co-starring Jeremy Sisto and Anna Ferris, and that one guy from Borat as the doctor. Oh, shit. That was from Borat? Yeah, I, I thought I saw the guy played, was it Adam? I thought I saw him I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but his face just looked super familiar to me. I just yeah, he's oh. done movies. He was in. Uh, I know he was in. Uh, oh, uh, God damn! I just I know he's on Law and Order right now. He's 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 more of a TV guy than a movie guy. Um, he's done movies. I just I just Wrong Turn. That's the movie I'm thinking of. He was in. He was in that. He's done other movies. Okay. I can't think off the top of my head, but yeah, he has that familiar face. Uh, this film okay. is about a socially awkward veterinary assistant with a lazy eye and obsession with perfection descends into madness after developing a crush on a boy with perfect hands. Yeah. This May, was... uh, May was an independent film. It may, it may have had a limited theatrical release. A the budget was about $2 million, $1.7 million, and it made back uh, $634,000. As I mentioned, independent movie, they probably have barely had any money to promote the damn thing which is why it didn't really bring in that much but uh over time it has developed a cult following and it's understandable i think this movie did pretty good in certain aspects um there is one aspect that uh through no fault of the movie made me laugh hysterically we'll get to that it made me laugh so hysterically for the wrong reasons but again we'll get to that um, you introduced this movie to me. Yes. Yeah, because of the movie, or the month May, because you were doing the whole, it's gonna be May. <laughs> but for me, but for me, it's everything you say to May. I need a little room to Ray. But yes, I did not know what to expect from this movie. I uh, hesitated watching it because, again, I told you, off the uh, the cop that I was playing Hogwarts Legacy and I'm loving this freaking game, so it was just like, oh, man, I gotta make time to watch this. Plus, it's on Tubi. I don't like watching movies on Tubi for the sole fact that commercials and commercials can make the movie much longer. And if I don't like it, it makes it even worse. Luckily, that wasn't the case. This movie was pretty easy to digest. So, the very first scene of this film. You see this woman who's got her hand in her eye and she's like bleeding all over the place. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck is going on here? Because then the very next scene, it shoots to a little girl with an eye patch. So I'm thinking to myself, huh? Like, did this girl have eye issues or whatever? Now, if I'm correct, it's because her eye was lazy is why she wore an eye patch. Yes, uh, she had a lazy eye, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're born with that, or that's something that unfortunately happens to you as you're growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something you're born with, but I, I'm not a doctor, so I, I don't want to make diagnoses. <laughs> but suffice to say, yeah. So it, it zooms into a little girl with an eye patch. Uh, her mother wants her to hide the eye patch because she doesn't want her to be bullied. And then creates a doll for her in a case. It was a creepy looking doll. But this doll, it's like 
there's a purpose to this doll, but there's also not because this doll is. You would think that in a horror movie, this doll is going to come to life or it's going to be uh, moving around. It never does. This doll literally isn't inanimate. But the sole purpose of the doll is that this is the only friend that May has. Yes, May was his- a very lonely child growing up. She really didn't have any friends, no boyfriends. She was very to herself. And I think her parents are part to blame for that. So, yeah, because they give her this doll as a friend. And they even told her she's not even allowed to take it out of the case. So, it automatically zooms into her as an adult. She works at a, a veterinary place. She works on animals. And her partner is Polly, played by Ann Ferris. And they work on animals and they talk here and there. May said something along the lines of she developed a crush on this guy that was sitting at a bench but the more she started to find out about him the more she started to dislike him because of certain quirks about him i don't know but then she was it in the park or was it in the laundromat where she first meets adam well she's always kept her eye on adam because he thinks he's cute but most importantly she loves looking at his hands yeah, a launch mat was the first conversation they exchanged. Yeah, because the first vision you get of Adam, he's rubbing up against a beat up car. Yeah, he's a he's a, um, oh, a mechanic. Yeah, and actually, their first interaction was not at the laundromat. The first interaction was he falls asleep at a coffee shop, and right. she sneaks. Yeah, she sneaks up to him and rubs her face into his hand. And he wakes up and sees her and then she just runs away. But rather than Adam being like, what the fuck was that? He was just like more curious. So at some point, Adam starts to initiate conversation with her. And even though she acts a little bit weird, he does say that he likes weird. Tries to open up to her a little bit more. Yeah, he's like attracted to like her quirkiness. Like, but like not just her being too off is like was almost like you know I like her because she's different in a sense. Yeah, and not just him, but Polly starts to develop feelings for her as well. And as we said, Anna Faris from the scary movies, movies. Um, yeah. So she starts to really dig Adam, and they start to like get to know each other a little bit more. They start talking. They have sandwiches together. There's one point where she tells this story about how. Uh, she was trying to do surgery on this dog, and he had some sort of tumor in his intestine, and they had to take it out, but they didn't have the materials to fix the dog at the time, so they used, like, materials for cats to sew him back up, and a few days later, the owner came back, like, kicking and screaming, because apparently the thing came out, and the dog's guts were hanging all over the freaking balcony. But the way she said it, you could already tell that she's going into psychotic breakdown because she's taking this moment that's really graphic that would mess anybody up if they think about it and is making light of it. So anyways, he's like a little bit disturbed, but it's not a total turnoff just yet. He, he invites her to his house and then he shows her his room and he's got a lot of like real, I don't know if 
gore is the right term. He's like into. He's a, he's a horror head. He has because uh, he mentioned when they were just talking, he was gonna go see a Dario Argento film. By the way, the film was Trauma. It came out in the '90s. So he's he's a film student. Right. But and I think at first they went to her place. Yeah, and they made out, or they tried to kiss, and she didn't know how to kiss. And so, the second time that they hang out, now they're about to go all the way. Like, he's about to, like, have sex with her. But then something happened. I think she bit his lip or something. Well, yeah, before they had, you know, because the first time it didn't work out. He tried to distance himself from her for a bit. Because I think, because the whole kiss thing, like, kind of really turned him off. But eventually, they meet up again. He decides to give her a second chance. They go back to his place. Uh, he shows her one of his films that he made called Jack and Jill about two partners just basically eating each other. Yeah. And then and after that, they start having sex. Well, building up to it. But well, yeah. Well, yeah, they're in bed making out. And as they're kissing, she bites Adam's lip. She bit him pretty damn good because he's really bleeding from his mouth. Yeah, and then she starts rubbing the blood all over her face. Yeah, I think that, that I think that was the part that really made him go, oh, okay, this girl's fucking nuts. Yeah, and then that's when he said, yo, this is weird. And she's like, you like weird, don't you? He's like, nah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, too weird. Yeah, and as he, le- as he leaves or went you back to her place, she started shouting at her doll. Yeah. The and doll's name is Susie. And keep in mind, the first time she hit the case, there was like a slight crack in the case. So, and each time when she's starting to go crazy, she's hearing more and more cracks. Like it's cracking even more. Almost, almost so, like, a, almost like a metaphor that basically she's almost like snapping. She's slowly yes. descending into this madness. So now she's depressed because now she lost this guy, and she really liked this guy because of his hands. And now he now at this point he's like. He's just totally socially distancing himself from her. She's calling him, calling him. He's not picking up his phone. She's leaving her messages. He's not calling her back. She went back to his house. But, you know, she was out the front door. She could hear him talking to his roommate. And his roommate, you know, is like, isn't that that fucking May girl weird? And then and then while he's about just about to open the door to see May there, he gets stopped by this his I would presume his girlfriend, his new girlfriend. Yeah, and they said, yeah, yeah, they say a lot of not so nice things about her, and she just runs away. And eventually, Holly starts to work up to her, and then they start to have lesbian sex. But the thing is, is that Polly is very uh, promiscuous. She just likes to sleep around with other girls. So the next time that she comes over to her house, Polly's with another girl. She just she's just a horn dog for women. But there's one point in particular where uh, May is at a park and sees a lot of children with special needs, like blind kids and all that stuff. And she decides that she wants to work with these types of kids with disabilities. So one day she brings her doll over to one of the classes to show the doll. (laughs) Then all the kids are just like making fun of it and the one girl with special needs wants to play with the doll 
and her and May start fighting over it, and then the doll's case falls and the glass breaks. All the kids are trying to pick up the glass. They cut their hands. They're all bleeding. She's bleeding. The doll's just pretty much destroyed at this point. I think there was one point in this movie. I think that this is where it really started to get bad for her. She gets mad at her cat, and when the cat walks away, she throws like something real sharp at the cat and kills it. Yeah, she threw an ashtray. That wasn't her cat. That was, I believe, that wasn't it? I believe that was Polly's cat. She wanted uh, May to look look after her because something was wrong with it, and she's like, you know, you can take it home she, to whatever. It wasn't something wrong with it. Her landlord wouldn't let her have it. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So she let her take care of it, and then she killed it. Now that's important. So. After she kills the cat, she just keeps the cat around. The dead cat just lets it lay there. She pets it. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So now all, all this pandemonium has gone on. She's really hitting the deep end. And she's hanging out at a bench. And there's like this real punk rock kid that's like sitting next to her. And they start talking. Similar to that of her and Adam. They start to develop a friendship. So they're at her house and they start talking and eventually he goes into the kitchen to go to the freezer. He opens the freezer and the cat is in the freezer stretch wrapped. And he's just like so put off by this, like saying she's so fucking weird that this is crazy. This, that and the other. At this point, she's just had enough. She can't take it anymore. She just fucking stabs him right in the head. She has now completely lost it. So she gets dressed up. She's now going to Polly's place. She goes over to Polly's place and now there's a lot of sensual nature going on. Polly's just sitting there. She's all like comfortable and all this. And then she's like, ah, you would never hurt me, would you? And then while she's like rubbing her hands on her face, she has a knife in her hands and cuts her throat and lets her bleed to death. Yeah, because she was now, always fascinated with Polly's neck. Yeah. Now, Polly's girl, who was introduced earlier, keep in mind, the thing that was turning May away from Polly was the fact that Polly wouldn't put all of her attention to her. She was sharing it with other people. She didn't understand the whole open relationship nature of it. But the girl that she was macking with, she liked her legs. Now, this girl was a royal bitch. She was kind of like being real nasty to her. Fills off her legs and eventually fucking May kills her and gets her legs. She then goes over to Adam's house and Adam's got a girl with him. She just makes her way in. I, I guess they were at a Halloween party or something because they were in costume or they were doing something. They have, yeah, they may have just come back from a Halloween party. Uh, Adam, yeah. Adam is a bit intoxicated, so he lets May in the house, and that's when the girl realizes, oh, so this is May. Yeah. And at this point, Adam, I mean, Adam wants nothing to do with May, but he's just, I think, I think the girlfriend is, is entertained by the presence of May, so I think she was the one that meant that let May in the house. Yeah. It's just to was. get an idea of what she's like, since she's heard so much stories from, about her, from Adam and his roommate. Yep. And so she wants Adam to rub her face. He won't do it. She, the, the, the girl's like being put up by it. So she grabs Adam's hand, puts it on her face and then stabs the girl in the head. Adam's all like, what the fuck? He passes out from being drunk. 
and then he she kills him she starts taking the suitcase into her her flat takes all the body parts adam's hands the neck of uh polly the legs of that girl uh, all these body parts and makes a humanoid i guess almost like a giant doll almost like a frankenstein monster kind of thing exactly and then she's talking to it saying oh my god you can't see or whatever and she starts to get all upset so then she goes into the bathroom and remember that first scene we told you where she's holding her eye well, that's because she took a pair of scissors and cut her own eyeball out yeah she doused out her lazy eye and then she put it on the doll and then laid next to it and started crying and then the very last scene this doll magically moved and started rubbing her rubbing up on her face and that's the end i thought the end was pretty clever because it left it open to interpretation that this could have just been all in her head because she's fucking crazy but was it a supernatural horror movie or was it just all in her head that's i think that's that's where i'm leaning it was just all in her head because she couldn't find a friend or i I believe that's one of the quotes of the film if you can't find a friend make one make yeah you know and after she got uh dumped by this guy twice and she thought she had something with polly only to find out polly was only was just only just wanted to be with may just to screw her then move on to the next girl and yeah. obviously you know may as i mentioned she was very lonely she's never been in a relationship so all this was new to her yeah it was because she was very sheltered throughout her whole life so it, this she's a tragedy story yeah it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good character study movie yeah she is a tragedy she is one big tragedy so it's like you feel sorry for her because she's just like she doesn't understand she's in the beginning doesn't mean harm but she's just so uh built up to the point where it's just like she can't take it anymore and she just like says fuck this i can't she snaps she virtually snaps and i feel for may in this so overall i thought for the limited amount of resources this film had i thought it did pretty good i i've i'm not sure i first came across this movie there there used to be a tv show on showtime called masters of horror uh it was an anthology series each episode had like a different uh famous horror director john carpenter directed one uh, John Landis did another one, and then there was one episode called Sick Girl, and it was directed by Lucky McKee. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And the reason he got the spot on that show was because of this movie. And that episode it also starred uh, Angela Bettis. And basically, half the crew that was on this movie worked on that episode. And I saw uh-huh. it, and that was one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Like, that was really good. I wanted to know more about this guy. And then everyone said, you got to watch May. This was like you know the film one of the better big better indie horror films of the early 2000s and i saw it i was like at first i was like this is disturbing but i like it and then over the years i gave it rewatch and i enjoyed it more and more and you know once and then once we started doing this podcast i said at some point we got to do may and here yeah. we are. yeah it was very good i really enjoyed this uh it was very easy to sit through i think that's what helped it. it was very easy to sit through and it wasn't that hard to focus on what was going on and multitasking doing my other things while watching it 
It's not one of those movies that you have to be like focused on the television. It's pretty easy to to indulge what's going on while doing other things if you have to. So I really think that that's where what helps it. I'm not saying every movie has to do this. I mean, The Godfather is one of my favorite movies, and it's that's a movie you got to pay close attention to. But the fact that it still is able to get my attention while I'm doing other things, it's pretty good. I have to ask you, you said there was a part that made you laugh. What, what, what was the scene? Okay, so there's one part in particular where in the room that she's in, she has doll pieces all over her face while she's laying on the couch. I couldn't help but think about that episode of SpongeBob where he forgets the pickles and he starts going all crazy and it's like, Mr. Krabs, hello, do you how do? I'm figuring she's gonna do the same thing and play the music in the background while she's laying there. Fucking made me laugh. <laughs> How do you think uh, Angela uh, uh, Bettis did in the role of May? Great, she was fantastic. Everybody, listen, everybody here did their roles well. Nobody, nobody was bad. Everybody did their roles fine. Nobody annoyed me. Everybody was. They, they hit their roles right, and I think that's what helps this. I'd go as far as saying I think she's probably one of the most slept-on actresses post-2000. She did a movie in, like, late 99 called... Was it Girl Interrupted? It's with Angelina Jolie, uh, Winona Ryder, Brittany Murphy's in it. She's... Uh, Angela's in it. It's, it's a great all-star female cast. And... Mm. And everyone was great in that film, and then he went, and now you get to this movie. I was like, damn! Like she should have had, she should have had so much of a better career. She would make an excellent carry. Yeah. And but. one year later, they did a TV miniseries called Carrie. Who's the star? Angela. And she got the part of that because of this movie. Oh, good for her! Because yeah, she she was very good here. She did. She convinced me of her craziness i could see it yeah she she looked the part uh, she fit the part i thought she was fantastic everything about her you look at her you you know the way she like just the way she handles herself in this role i mean i would even consider for an academy nomination but yeah. you know horror movies they just they don't get that kind of love and not only that, this was an independent film that didn't get a lot of reach. Yeah. So it never was going to happen. But this is the kind of performance that you should win awards for. Yeah. I thought she was really, really good. And she reminded me of... There's a movie... I don't know if... This would fall under the same guys because it's more of a drama film but it ends in a pretty fucked up way but it's a movie called Christine not the the car not the haunted car a uh, movie about Christine Chubbuck who was a news reporter anchor who actually that this is a true story she shot herself on live TV in front of everybody and the tape had never been released afterwards out of respect for the family it, it, it's one of those like not folklore because it actually happened but obviously people like speculate and all that stuff so they actually made a movie and i think it was also independent but rebecca hall plays the role of christine chubbuck 
And I thought she did a fantastic job because Christine Chubbuck was known to be very awkward. They, uh, she was like nearing 30. She was a virgin, had no boyfriend, had no social skills whatsoever. She had what was the only form of autism most people figured. Uh, so, but this was like in the 70s, so nobody attributed to that. And I think Rebecca Hall just nailed it out of the park. But that to me was like a, a, a real great performance. So I would say, yeah, these were on par. Just it, they were just two totally different movies, obviously. Because this girl's playing a crazy psychotic girl, whereas Rebecca Hall is playing more of a girl's very confused about everything and going through a crisis mentally uh yeah it's called christine came out in 2016 it's considered a biographical psychological drama film um i don't know if horror would be the way to go about it but yeah if it wasn't for uh this movie there, i think there was a movie called broadcast back in the 70s i want to say or was it broadcast or whatever that no it was called net network that was the name of the movie a movie called network that literally was made inspired off of christine chubbick mm. starring uh faye dunaway i've heard i've heard network i've never gotten around to see it and yeah and william holden Mm-hmm. And Robert Duvall. Duvall. But yeah, um, back to the yeah, this film in particular that we watched, May. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little. Uh, I mean, I can understand why it didn't get much reach because it doesn't have that big budget attached to it. Doesn't have a budget. It doesn't have a name. I'm not sure. I mean, this was early 2000s. I don't know. If people were familiar with Anna Ferris by this point. I mean, she did do scary movie, but. Yeah, she was pretty familiar at this point, but this this is 2002. This was right before Scary Movie 3 came out. Mm-hmm. So she already did two of them. Yeah, I wouldn't and... be film this probably, I would say sometime. I don't know when filming. I would say probably late 2000 they may have filmed this. Definitely has that yeah. feel to it, even with the music. It literally, yeah, this literally was her movie right after Scary Movie 2. Oh, okay. Well, I'm surprised you went from doing that to like doing a really... A straight up independent movie. Yeah. Yeah. And she's more of a comedy actress too. But. Yeah, I think this was only like the legit, I guess, close to doing a straight up horror movie she's ever done. Before she like just got typecast into doing comedy movies. Yeah. But yeah, I have no complaints. Great movie. Yeah, great movie. Uh, director cameo, uh, Lucky McKee. He was in the elevator making out with that one girl. Twice. Okay. Twice he had to kind of look at May Will. I don't look at this girl. Yeah. So there's that. And I uh, I think we've covered everything that I wanted to cover in this review. My thumbs are way up for this film. Um, I'm going to go say it. I love May. I think May's a fantastic horror film. Yeah, definitely check it out. My thumbs are up. I don't know way up, but yeah, they're up. Fair enough. We both recommend this film. Uh, May is currently streaming on Tubi. It's always been on Tubi. I don't see it ever going off Tubi. I know I was on Shutter. I don't know if it's still on there now since I no longer have Shutter. But, but yeah, yeah. Um, whenever you guys see May streaming anywhere, check it out. Uh, I, you know, it's it's an easy watch, ninety minute film. It's not a long movie, easy sit through, and I think you'll have a good time. Give it a shot. I know this was a long review. We had a lot to say when it came to the other topics, but 
I'm satisfied with this review, and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this one up. Any any last words, Doctor Stevie? Uh, it's May. Oh, uh, I say May Bay. You're gonna be the one that saves May. Okay. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode from Monoxide. I'm Terminator Travis, and if you can't find a friend, make. Them.